Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bengalis in New York show. My name is Arik and uh, we were repping it for, you know, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and all over the world. So welcome and enjoy. Today we're going to be joined by Bushra Malik, who is a member of the Bengalis of New York team. She started a blog called Sex in the Desh, and she um, is also founder of the B Sex Education page. So now we're going to try to add her, um, and hopefully we can have a really fruitful conversation about sex education in Bangladesh. So I kind of did a small introduction uh, just to kick off before you joined, but if you want to introduce yourself in the meantime before we get started. Sure. So hi, everyone. My name is Bushra. I am a lifelong New Yorker. I was born in Bangladesh, and I lived in Queens for most of my life. My day-to-day, I work for a city agency called New York City Emergency Management, which is a local government. We work closely with the police department, fire department, and our goal is really to protect New Yorkers and prepare them for emergencies before, during, and after they happen. I love the work that I do, but I wanted to do something that served Bangladesh and the Bangladeshi community and the Bangladeshi diaspora. So I've had this idea for a really long time. And then with some personal things that went on, and especially with COVID, I realized that it's really important for us to do what means the most to us. So I started bdsexeducation.com almost a year ago, and it launched on December 1st. Awesome. I'm really excited to see the development of your page. For anyone who isn't familiar, please check out bdsexeducation.com. I'll type it in uh, the comments. And also check out the link in our bio, Bushra's uh, latest blog post that kicks off the Sex and the Desh series that we have at Bengalis of New York. Yeah, so thank you so much for really like initiating this work. I feel like there isn't enough conversation about civically in Bangladesh, even within the diaspora community here in general. I'm so really excited that there's someone who's specifically focusing on that. If you go to Bushra's website, you'll see that most of the content or almost all of it is in Bangla. So is the intent for people in Bangladesh to be able to kind of develop the vocabulary um, and the language to actually talk about sex education with, with amongst themselves, with their parents, etc. What's kind of the, the focus on there? Yeah. So, you know, I had a lot of, I had quite a few people reach out to me saying that this information should also be in English, which I definitely agree with. I think it's something that I'll create down the line. But I think as for now, you know, especially if you're living in the United States or if you're living somewhere in the West, sex education is so readily available. I mean, if you open up, if you go to any newsstand, especially if you, you know, open, not to shade on any magazine, but, you know, on the cover, it'll say 29 ways to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. 29 ways to pleasure your man or you know this is how you do this etc so I think there's a very sex education is very comfortable it's every day you know you see it in shows mm-hmm. you understand how to romance someone you know intimacy is an everyday conversation and I think it's not something that people shy away from which is you know it's great but that sort of information that sort of media that's not accessible at Bangladesh and that's not accessible to Bangladeshis you know throughout the world right you know if you're opening up a Bangladeshi newspaper I'm sure it's not going to have ads or, you know, any sort of adult content. And, you know, sex education is such an everyday aspect of our life. It can impact a person from the moment that they're born to to their death, right? So because it's such an everyday part of our life, because it's such an everyday part of their life, I thought it was really integral to only have this information in Bangla because it's meant for aunties, it's meant for uncles, it's meant for our parents, it's meant mm-hmm. for, you know, people back home. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you the kinds of questions that I've received. And it makes me so sad because a lot of the questions that I received from people living in Bangladesh, this is content that, or, or questions and answers that kids hear now. 
you know? So when you, when you have exactly adult males, like the, the, one of the first emails I received, I had someone ask me, Oh, I'm getting married this weekend. How do I make sex enjoyable for my wife? And that was really overwhelming because I didn't think I was going to get so many intimacy questions so quickly. You know, I was really sort of, because I want to also be cognizant and I want to be respectful to the Bangladeshi culture. I'm mindful of the fact that it, it is somewhat conservative and I respect that. So that's why I'm trying to come at it from a public health perspective. But when I started getting all of these intimacy related questions from men and men and women and people of all different, you know, gender backgrounds who all look different. So you have students reaching out to me about their boyfriends. I have Nikani mm-hmm. reaching out to me about how to how to you know pleasure their their husbands. It's very, it was really eye opening to me, and it also made me it made me realize my own biases about my people, mm-hmm. right? Because Bangladesh has a population of 160 million people, so that's a lot of sex, right? And I think yeah. we shy away from this topic, but we're clearly doing it. And I think the most important thing is. Beyond just sex itself, you know, we need to understand the changes that our bodies go through. You know, kids don't really know what's happening. I had an elderly woman reach out to me and she said, can you write about menopause? Wow. And I thought, oh my goodness. So, so you know, I created the website, but this is a work in progress. And I hope that right. it's the only website that's going to be out there. I hope that more Bangladeshis are encouraged to talk about this. And I'm certainly For not sure. Yeah. I think you're anecdotes about the dms that you receive speaks volumes to the impact of your work already and to the fact that there aren't any go-to sources uh, for this kind of information for the Bangladeshi bengali community so already i mean within like less than a month you, you're already make starting these conversations um and impacting these relationships and individuals one person at a time which is awesome do you think the conversation about sex ed starts at home or at school I think it starts at home and I think mm-hmm. it should start quite young. And when I say sex ed, I don't necessarily mean, you know, teaching your children how to have sex if that makes you uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. we should definitely be teaching our children the difference between good touch and bad touch. Because one of the things that I've also said like, in my research, writing the Samiha Khan case, but also just the research mm-hmm. I've done for most of my life, you know, people don't understand when they've been abused. And when we're not talking to our kids about this is a way someone should should approach you. This is the way someone would touch you. If we don't teach mm-hmm. our kids the name, the proper names for genitalia, you know, how do they say, how can they say, oh, this mama touched me here? Or, you know, and how do we also equip parents to know how to respond to this sort of thing? You know, go to the mm-hmm. authority, offer uh, mental health resources for your child because something terrible happened to them, right? And also right. mental health resources for the parents because if parents mm-hmm. also blame themselves for bringing this person in, I'm sure they're also going through something. So I think it's integral for parents to start this conversation with their kids, with boys and girls. You know, in my personal experience, I know so many Bangladeshi men, unfortunately, who were sexually abused as kids. And the crazy mm. aspect of that is that I feel like sometimes they're also forgotten because we're so worried about protecting our daughters that we forget that our sons can also be abused. So right. regardless of your gender identity, you know, we have to protect our kids. We have to protect ourselves. And, you know, mm-hmm. sex education, is, it's a lifelong and I'm still learning and I hope everyone else, they feel comfortable enough to continue to learn. Right. It's also interesting because at least in the last two, three years, 
maybe this is like kind of a bias that I've had, but I've, I've noticed more headlines about so-and-so abused by a teacher, by like a private tutor, by their like brother-in-law, their own father, right? Like in the, in the Samiha Khan case, um, which was here in Queens. And so how it almost feels like it's normalized almost, or like it's something that you see in a newspaper stand. It's like, oh, this happened again. There doesn't seem to be enough next steps to be like, okay, what do we, what do, we do to like prevent this from happening, at least in the Bangladesh context? No, absolutely. And I think sometimes people, and you'll see this a lot in comments, I might be wrong, so I'll have to double check this, but I believe Bangladesh recently introduced the death penalty for rape cases, mm-hmm. um, which some people think is a good thing, some people think it's a bad thing. I think that when we are not deterring rape in the first place, when we are not introducing conversations about consent, conversations about you know what is appropriate, what's inappropriate, it's going to keep happening. And the fact mm-hmm. that the cases are going up I think it scares people, but at the same time, it means that people, especially women, they feel encouraged, they feel empowered to open up about it, right? So I think that's also a good thing with the with the spread of social media. People are afraid, but when you see, you know, this young woman from a specific village, she's she's opened up about what happened to her. I mean, I'll never forget I'll never forget the different cases that the high profile cases in Bangladesh. You know, there was Donu mm-hmm. who was raped in Kumila, then you had Nusrat Jahan Rafi, I think that happened in 2020 or 2019. And, you know, her principal molested her. And when she went to the police, when she went to the police, the fact that people went to the streets to protest against her, you know, Mm -hmm. in honor of the principal and for her to only be lynched less than however long later, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think it goes to show that people coming out is a good thing. And I hope that, you know, this conversation, it becomes normalized, it becomes destigmatized. And, you know, we have these comments with everybody. Of course, I think it's really empowering to see people actually go to the streets and, you know, hold up signs and, and um, kind of start their own movement in, in Bangladesh around this, just so that it, I think those are like the necessary, necessary steps to at least bring more light to these issues and not make it, a, oh, this happened again in Bangladesh. So yeah, that, I think that's great. I've also, I've been doing some research on my own and I saw that Bangladesh only recently introduced sex ed into like school curriculum which I found really interesting. I'm, I haven't asked my parents, for example, like where they learned their sex ed from um, before this initiative came to play. But I think I think it's, it still feels like such a stigma. I mean, even even for us in the diaspora, and I, everyone has their own relationship with their parents, but like it's such a stigma to even talk about, let's say, relationships in general, about dating in general. And it's like, how do you then go to the next step and talk about sex ed or about proper consent and other things that relate to our bodies? It's it's such an awkward, awkward issue in the Bengali community. Yeah, I think it also fosters unhealthy relationships because it fosters unhealthy relationships within ourselves, but also with our mm-hmm. partners, right? It's it's strange because, you know, the moment you're born, especially if you're a daughter, it's also easy to go and be a bit. When are you going to get married? You know, but you cannot date. You can't have a boyfriend. You can't have a girlfriend. And what's interesting is, you know, for boys, for example, you're expected to have a little bit of experience, but not too much. You're supposed to somehow know how to please a woman, but you don't know anything about a woman because you've never dated before. And, it's, and, and I'm talking mm-hmm. about people, at least in Bangladesh, not necessarily here, but it still applies, right? You say all this stuff. You say that you cannot date. And then suddenly, once you turn 21 or 22, when are you going to get married? You know, when yeah. are you going to And it's such a huge jump. Yeah. And it's such an uncomfortable place to be put in because, you know, what do you think they're going to do the first night? You want them to consummate the marriage, but 
if you're a virgin, you've never seen a penis before, you've never seen a vagina before, you don't know what to do, you don't understand intimacy, how do you make each other comfortable, you know, mm -hmm. so it's such an integral conversation to have. And we can't have these conversations with our parents, right? Because then they're going to be like, Oh, my gosh, he's dating. Oh, my gosh, he, he has a girlfriend. I have to bring home a wife from Bangladesh. I have to rectify this somehow. So they'll mm -hmm. do things like send the girl to Bangladesh so she can get forcefully married to somebody she doesn't know, which is terrible, especially if it's somebody much older. That's essentially pedophilia with a uh, license. Yeah. Or, you know, if you have you have a son, you're unhappy with his behavior or you're, you know, he's having some mental health issues. And then you bring, you know, a wife from Bangladesh who's not going to ask any questions. And then, you know, that's, mm -hmm. not, that's not healthy for either person. You know, get your children. Sure. It's normal to date. There's, you know, so it's, it's tough. It's tough because at the same time, you know, Bangladesh is largely Muslim. So I'm aware, you know, I know that we can't talk about dating before, before mm -hmm. marriage, but you know, there has to be a way to introduce these topics so that people are at least comfortable with their first night or people are comfortable with their bodies and they understand what's going on and they're not afraid. You know, there's, exactly. there's so much to learn. There's so much to learn. I think you addressed a comment actually that someone just made of how does being Muslim and holding on to Islamic beliefs affect sex education and premarital sex conversations. Actually, it's interesting when I think about the subcontinent in general, I think sex is very much viewed as only for like procreation purposes and in the context of, of a marriage. But beyond that, it's a very hush-hush topic. And for the reasons for kind of procreation, a lot of pressure is put on the woman in that in that sense. Definitely. It's hard. But I think, you know, just jumping back to the question about you know, being Muslim, I think, you know, considering the number of Muslim women who've, mes who've messaged me about their partners and their about their husbands, I think that, you know, it's obviously, it's intimacy, right? If you want to be mm -hmm. close to your partner, if you want to be close to your husband or wife, that's really important. And I think on top of that, you know, sex education, or at least sexuality in Bangladesh, it's all really sort of exclusive to, you know, heterosexuality and marriage itself. So, you know, not only is there taboo if you're unmarried and, and having sex, but there's taboo if you are, you know, God forbid if you're gay, you know, I believe it's still, there might be some laws still in place where sodomy is illegal. So, you know, it's really hard to have these conversations. I mean, I've, I've had some negative backlash, but the backlash that I received is really outweighed by the questions that I received. So I don't mm -hmm. get to... I try to ignore it the best that I can. Right. I also think it's difficult, at least I'm imagining as a teenager, the kind of exposure that you do get if it's not from school. If you're in a school, for example, that's like gender segregated, you can't casually have these conversations with, let's say, the, a person of like a different gender than you, that, which is when I think about it, like a lot of banter in my like middle school, high school days came from that, even from movies. And I'm, I'm thinking of Bollywood movies as one medium to kind of learn about intimacy and kind of those those relationships. And my parents always talk about this all the time of like old Bollywood movies were like much more like kind of distant. They didn't have like a lot of physical things going on. And now Bollywood has become so progressive and kind of open and has like more suggestive language and like sexual content. How do you think that affects how people in Bangladesh kind of view their own bodies and what parts they actually grab from from that kind of media for their own sex education that's a good question so i mean i don't watch too much bollywood like i remember as a kid i watched and i remember what was the movie where chaya chaya was like super super big oh, yeah. yeah so but i think the thing is you know even in bollywood movies there are a lot of negative aspects to the way that they approach relationships right because they'll have the guy super duper creepy you know i think what was it there was a movie recently oh 
I watched Toilet the movie, really weird. I think it was on Netflix with Akshay Kumar okay. and another young woman. And in the scene, he was just following her all day. And then she just finally gave in and was like, okay, I guess we'll get married. And then yeah. she was sad because he didn't have a toilet in his house. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily healthy. I mean, I again, mm-hmm. I haven't watched enough movies to, to discuss how it's affected Bangladesh as a whole. I mean, at the same time, you know, I don't think there are any open sex scenes which I don't know if I would suggest that because what the community is like. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I think, you know, I mean, it's still pretty, it's progressive, but considering how dangerous India still is for women, I don't think it's really made a lot of progress. Right. Yeah. For sure. 100%. Kind of wanted to segue into kind of constructive measures that we can take to kind of start changing the dialogue as, as the generations go on. What are some concrete steps to kind of break the stigma and facilitate these conversations, whether it's amongst ourselves, like people in our own age group, or like with our parents and caregivers? That's a great question. I think first and foremost, we just need to communicate. You know, I think that's the most important way. I think that's the best way to help destigmatize it. Parents need to talk to their kids. I know I'm a millennial, so, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty open with my mom about certain things, but there's very clearly a, a sort of like a gap between what she knows and what I know. I mean, I remember when boys in school were talking about jerking off, I like told my mom, I was like, what is that? And she was just, we can't talk about this, you know? I don't know. It's, I think, I think the most important thing is just, it's just normalizing conversations, normalizing communication throughout all fronts. So if you have children, you know, talking to them about good touch versus bad touch, talking to them about puberty, you know, what happens to your body when you have puberty? You know, Mm -hmm. I, if you're, if you're a young girl and you don't know, what happens when you get your period for the first time? That's really scary. If you're a young boy and you start to grow, you know, several inches taller out of nowhere and you have a mustache, you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. You know, your parents should have those conversations with you, you know? And then mm-hmm. when you expect them to start becoming more sexually active, whether they are dating or whether they're waiting for marriage, um, you know, you need to understand what sex is. You need to understand the changes that your body goes through. And then again, as you get older, um, you know, menopause and how, you know, how growing older also affects men. And, you know, regardless of what your gender is, your body changes. So I think regardless of what, what stage you are in life, um, sex education will affect you in some, some way. Um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, we just have to facilitate these conversations. We have to have them at home and then we also have to normalize them nationwide. So whether that's in school, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that we have, we have, mental health professionals available. We have doctors and gynecologists and really open-minded doctors who are, who are, um, you know, they, they'll take your questions, they'll answer them. I mean, there should really be no sense of, of shame, but there is. And that's one of the biggest problems, I think. There's a lot of shame. And one woman that I interviewed for the Samiha Khan piece, Dr. Rumana Mansoor, she said that shame isolates people. And that's really one of the biggest reasons why when something bad happens, when there's abuse, um, there aren't a lot of stories that come out. So I think now that more stories are come out are coming out, that just means that people are uh, feeling empowered, they're, they're feeling comfortable, they are taking the narrative back. And, you know, I hope that these conversations deter rape. I hope that we talk about consent. I mm-hmm. hope that women feel comfort comfortable about their sexuality. You know, I mean, you have a clitoris for a reason. I hope that men are more comfortable in their bodies. I mean, I've gotten so many penis related questions in the past. My goodness, <laughs> in the past, <laughs> you know, I quickly wrote an FAQ because of how many questions that I received. I remember this one young mm-hmm. man messaged me. He emailed me. Well, several, several men messaged me and they said, 
what position should I sleep with my wife so I can have a son? And when I wrote, there's actually no way that he can do that. It's just, it happens. 50-50, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just wrote, oh, like he was so upset. So, you know, there's so many myths. There's so many myths. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and there's also another thing that I think people also forget. Sex work is legal in Bangladesh. So for mm-hmm. that reason, what, you know, I think it's one of the few Muslim countries where sex work is legal. Um, so it mm-hmm. also introduces like a certain layer of, okay, sex is, is bad, but here's this group of women that we're not going to give any rights to, we're not going to protect. But if you go to them and sleep with them, we'll just keep it hush hush, et cetera, et cetera. And I had exactly, few, yeah, they're not protected, right? And mm-hmm. then what happens if you have an STD? Who do you go to? Would you be, would you know who to go to? You know, I've had a few women reach out to me who believe they have STDs contracted from their partners. And it's really, really tough to have those conversations because, you know, now I'm telling people or now you know, I made sure to, to include on the website with every new partner that you have, you should always get tested. You should always wear a condom, right? It's just, you know, you need to be mindful of your body. You need to go to the doctor. You need to keep up with your appointments. It's self-help. And this is why it's public health. It is a public health issue because mm-hmm. when you have increases in cases of STDs and people are not going to the doctor because they're afraid of the shame, and then you have men who have, you know, so-and-so disorder or women becoming infertile because of sexually transmitted diseases, that is mm-hmm. a public health issue. We need to battle this. We need to combat this. And I think that it's, the change will definitely happen. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. I think as Bangladesh becomes more educated and kind of develops more, and at least with this new generation having access to sex ed built into the curriculum, we'll see maybe more knowledge, A, about like birth control, B, about STDs, C, about like family planning, and also hopefully, I think this happens outside of school, about like actual consent and like healthy interactions and what healthy dynamics between two people or love um, or marriage kind of look like. I actually wanted to give a shout out to a couple of Instagram accounts. So people who are in, yes. are looking in or who listen to the podcast later, you know, I know that I, I take pride in knowing that I created the first Bangladeshi website, but I'm not the first person to have this conversation. And mm-hmm. in Bangladesh, there are communities or grassroots groups that are doing the work in the communities. I mean, they're in Bangladesh. So mm-hmm. one, one of the accounts that I think everyone should follow is called at Bodol BD. So B-O-D-O-L-B-D. The second one that I think is amazing, and you mentioned the protests in Bangladesh. This second group, they're the ones that actually help lead all of these protests. So I highly recommend okay. that everyone follows them. It's called Cholo Potaboli. So at C-H-O-L-O-K-O-T-H-A-B-O-L-I. And then another local group that I love is Bengali Mental Health. So if you follow them, mm-hmm. I know I know Bengalis of New York has highlighted them before. So um, you know, I just wanted to give them quick shout outs because especially specifically Bodol BD and Jolapohaboli, they're in Bangladesh. So, you know, it's, it's, they deserve a lot of credit and, uh, you know, I'm doing it here. This is, this is different, you know, and, and, and I understand the privilege that I have from, from doing some work like that, where I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm in the Bangladesh community, but I'm not in Bangladesh. So I'm, I'm aware of that privilege and, um, you know, I want to give the words to. 100%. And I think your your position as someone who grew up here and having that distance from Bangladesh helps you actually become more aware of the kind of gap in, in the conversation around sex ed between you as a diaspora child here versus if you were a child who grew up in, in Bangladesh. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, I feel like we are 
unlucky in some ways, but also lucky in some ways, right? Because here, I mean, my parents were always really strict. You know, I wasn't allowed to date. I did not really date until college. So not Mm -hmm. until like, I didn't have my, yeah, it was, I I was a late bloomer. And like a lot of my girlfriends were, and that was totally normal. Or they either, they they either, um, you know, they were all secretly dating and, you know, they were all going through the, through these things that they can't talk to people about and that's hard that's hard um i think that you know i know the gap is there but i hope that we can bridge that gap right because those issues still exist in our communities here and when that problem is happening here and it's happening back home it's important to sort of eradicate it the best that we can and you know there's so many people out there who are trying to to to, to bridge that gap and it's, it's really comforting to know that um, you know, there's a lot of folks out there. So I recommend, you know, social media can be a dark place. You know, I'm sure it, I feel like when I'm on Instagram, I always think like, wow, I think I need lip fillers or Botox or a BBL. But mm-hmm. please just follow mental health folks, follow artists, mm-hmm. follow people who are doing good work to help their communities and you'll realize the world is not so bad. Yep. hundred percent. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, especially this the past couple, two, three years during COVID when everyone... Um, kind of has social media to interact with people. Um, I wanted to transition to our last segment, which is kind of the future prospects of BD Sex Ed. Uh, what, what, what's kind of the next steps for you or what you envision uh, this project becoming? That's a great question. I want to become the Dr. Ruth Bondash. So if anybody knows who Dr. Ruth is, she's an incredible sexologist. She's a doctor. I don't know if I'm going to become a doctor. Maybe I could just call myself that. I'm certainly mm-hmm. interested in, you know, going into higher education, maybe getting a degree in sexology, what the, whatever the topic may be. I'm learning, I can speak Bangla. Bangladesh, Bangla is my first language. So I was an ESL until, until the first grade, but mm-hmm. I am learning to read and write Bangla. So my goal is to, by this time next year, know how to edit my own work. So, you know, the way that I created it is I wrote everything in English because, you know, that's what I can read. I used Google mm-hmm. Translate as the first layer of edits, and then I used three different renders, family and friends, and more family and friends to ensure that the bottom was correct. You know, it's, it's a work in progress. My ultimate goal is for this to be huge. I want people, I want this to become sort of like my company, and you know, maybe one day, my ultimate goal, and it, it, it's not just about me, my ultimate goal is that sex education becomes something so normal that people don't even bat their eyes at it. You know, mm-hmm. that people in Bangladesh can openly talk about sex that they can talk about you know their intimate relationships they can talk about the changes in their bodies without having so much you know blood to show them you know you don't need to have that when it comes to your body and mm-hmm. it's a public health issue so i hope that you know health departments in bangladesh they sort of normalize these conversations that you know when we see it coming from the top it's going to happen at the bottom 100 percent. it kind of goes both ways it has to kind of happen at home with some support from up above as well kind of like a two-way yeah okay awesome well thank you so much Bushra for really opening up this line of conversation I feel like it's something that isn't talked about even like in our diaspora community thank you Noshin for having of course okay so is there already existing work being done on body positivity for the Bengali community definitely I mean there's so many Bangladeshi influences out there already who talk about body positivity or who talk about you know I'm trying to think some people so mm-hmm. the accounts that I mentioned, they do touch base on that to some degree, or I've seen it before. I know Bobble has, I know Chola Bahubali has, but there are also a lot of Bangladeshi men and women who are out there who talk about their bodies. I know Nabila, she's she's like a huge, mm-hmm. huge influencer who's, who's spoken about it. There's a woman named Amanna, 
from Australia and she's super sex positive. So I love all of her content. She's based mm-hmm. in Australia, Tamanna, the label. I know she's a creator, she's a designer. So she does incredible work. I mean, I know Shahana, Shahana, she just became the first Muslim Bangladeshi councilwoman. I'm really mm-hmm. proud of her. But, you know, she's openly discussed her, her past with Lucas, with Lucas. So I think having more, you know, Bangladeshi people in the spotlight who are willing to talk about, you know, their experiences and their bodies, you know, that definitely is body worthy. And I, and I see it becoming more normal. And I love that. And oh, I think there's one, there's one model in Bangladesh who is a, a pretty famous, Sobia. I was thinking of her and I, I was yeah. trying to remember so her Sobia, name, yeah. And it's so yeah. funny because her mom and my mom used to work together. They both worked for Beamon Airlines. Small yeah. world. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. But she's a rock star. So, you know, I so. think, and, you know, I know I only mentioned women, but, but I know that the change with, with, with body positivity, it, 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 it exists in, in, in the male community with, amongst men. Uh, I'm sorry if I don't, I, I can't think of any uh, male influencers off the top of my mind, but I know those conversations are happening and I hope that they continue to happen because, you know, it's, Mental health affects everybody, and it's important to talk about. Big time. Yeah. And sex ed affects all parts of our lives from youth all the way until we die. So I really <laughs> hope that this, this, this kind of conversation really opens up by the time we have kids, our generation has kids and beyond. So, And hopefully you get to see the, the kind of fruits of your work um, in your lifetime. I hope so. I or will. sooner. Will. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We're making it in a good yeah. way. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for coming on. We are going to publish this podcast and it'll be available on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, etc. So sit tight for a few weeks. But thank you so much, Bushra, for kind of kicking off this Sex and Bash series at, at Boney. And we'll have more conversations like these in the future. Awesome. Take care and stay safe. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. Take care. Bye. Gotta be honest With diamonds and pearls Yeah, yeah Bengalis in New York All over the world uh, It's the bony show uh, hey, Can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live From the slang we spit To the gangs we with It doesn't matter We the essence of the Bangladesh I say, hey, come on Can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live From the slang we 